over the past week, there have been a ton of news stories that I am sure that you have seen and have had uh, a similar reaction that I have had. Um, news stories like the major layoffs at my, at my school, my alma mater, Laurentian University, the police shootings at a traffic stop in Minnesota and the, and the police brutality, br brutality in Chicago that saw a young child's life taken away. And at the end of the week, those further lockdown restrictions and tons of other news items through the week and really through the last months that if we're being honest with ourselves, I think it's left many of us with one emotion that is much more potent than the others and that potency has just been growing. It's an emotion that makes our teeth clench. It's that emotion that makes our faces red. It's that emotion that makes us exasperated and aggravated. It is anger or wrath. As we have been going through the, uh, the last couple of weeks, we took two weeks off uh, but previous to that, we have been going through the seven deadly sins. These are sins that the Christian tradition has said are particularly dangerous and that we should pay attention to. We have already taken a look at pride, envy, sloth, and greed. Today, we're going to take a look at anger or wrath and talk about why anger is so deadly and, uh, and see what scripture has to teach us about this topic. And so let's dive right in and first clarify what it is that we're talking about. In our culture today, um, especially, I think anger is viewed as a sort of righteousness. That you should be angry. You should be angry at all sorts of things and that anger should drive you towards doing things in the world, should drive you towards pursuing justice, should drive you towards living certain ways. In other words, it's good to be angry. Our culture would say it's good to be angry and you should utilize that anger well. The problem with Christians is, the problem for us, is that scripture says the exact opposite thing. For scripture, Anger is connected with this idea of wrath, and so much so that they can't be connected. And culturally, we'd actually look at wrath and say, oh yeah, that's, a, that's an ugly sort of state to be in. Villains are wrathful, not heroes. And so Proverbs 15, 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh, a harsh word stirs up anger. The difference between these two is that anger is an initial emotional response, whereas anger is a longer response. Dante, who wrote Dante's Inferno, great, an amazing poem about the seven deadly sins, uh, defined wrath as the love of justice perverted to revenge and spite. Wrath is the love of justice perverted into revenge and spite, perverted by those things. So then, rather than restoration after an offense, wrath is simply concerned about revenge and dominance and power. 
Wrath wants to win. Wrath wants to make sure that those who caused it to suffer, caused you to suffer, caused someone you love to suffer, you want to get vengeance on them. You want to see them suffer back. It moves from just anger at a situation towards the activity of seeing something done. But if we want to be faithful to God, I think we need to do a heart check. Because this is a deadly sin. This is a deadly sin. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9 says, Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. If we are quick to anger, if we're quick to take offense, Scripture says you're being foolish. You're being foolish. And we are not called to live as fools. We're called to live wisely. So living wisely actually means choosing not to take offense. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Anger is connected directly with conflict in scripture, especially in the New Testament says, like, get rid of conflict, get rid of malice and envy and uh, discord amongst the, uh, amongst the community of God's people. Those are works of the flesh, which we'll see in a second. James chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. If we are, if, if, if we're looking at the world and, and immediately reacting to things, not spending the time to, um, to listen, but instead being really quick to give her opinion and really quick to get angry and really quick to take offense, it's not going to produce the kind of world, the kind of life that God intends for us to live and intends for others to live as well. Multiple New Testament passages in Colossians and Ephesians say, get rid of your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold, Ephesians says. And in Galatians 5, the acts of the flesh in verses 19 through 21 include fits of rage, hatred, and discord. And we're told people who fit into the, who, who, who's, who show those acts of the flesh on a regular basis, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So hear this. Those who live their lives being fueled by anger and outrage and offense will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that is not to be able to point to other people and say, hey, there, there's somebody who's really angry and there's another person who's really angry. They're not going to inherit. No, no, no. Use it on yourself. Are you the kind of person? Have you been discipled by our culture into being angry and bitter and, and look at other people with contempt? Because scripture says you will not inherit the kingdom. That is the antithesis of the fruit of the Spirit that comes after in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can't, you can't have those fruit of the Spirit while also being malicious, by being angry, by, by hating other people, by, uh, by causing jealousy and discord and being envious. Like it's, it's just the, Those two lists don't actually go together. So we're told, get rid of our anger. 
Get rid of our anger. It's foolishness to act on anger. And if we hold on to our anger, our anger is going to turn to wrath, and that wrath will condemn us. Because wrath is judgment. And biblically, judgment against others is, uh, is, is really God's business. It's not ours. So this is serious, right? If we're angry people, if our dominant, our natural, emotive state is to be angry, we're actually trying to fulfill a role as judge over others that belongs to God alone. And we need to repent of that and return to Christ and be transformed. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means in, in the context of anger in just a second. But when we allow our anger to fester into wrath, we're committing a sin against God by replacing that true judge and committing sins against others by, by um, judging them for the purpose of hurting them, in fact. This is a deadly sin because it is a sin and all sin separates us from god but even more than that it's also a deadly sin because of what it does to us as human beings anger fundamentally in a really fundamental way moves us away from those who we are going to spend eternity with it breaks down our relationships and like an acid it it, it it corrodes, it erodes, it destroys the foundations of community that God is building in his church. So one theologian um, that, I was re that I've read about this said this about wrath. Jeff Cook says this, The easy answer to injustice is fighting back. It takes no intellect or goodness of soul to start swinging at those who hurt us. In a good world that has been spoiled, violence, retaliation, and scorn are some of the spoiled parts. Once blows are thrown, words are spat, guns are pulled, or worse, all we create are more holes in God's good world. All we create with anger, with wrath, are more holes in God's good world. This may seem actually a little bit foreign to us because our culture has discipled us into thinking that, that anger is okay. And the church has said there's such thing as righteous anger, that it's okay to be righteously angry at others. Our culture really is energized by wrath and and. Oftentimes, actually, I think that we're discipled into taking offense really easily. We're, we're discipled into assuming the worst of other people as the, the starting point of our engagement with them. And then we hold on to our pain. We hold on to our hurts. We hold, and we hold on to grudges for as long as humanly possible, sometimes even finding our identity in those in that pain in our anger which which just leads to bitterness this being the case i think the teachings of jesus and the teachings of scripture 
on this are, will rub some of us like sandpaper. It's not, it's not a good feeling for us because it is so radically different than our expectation of what should be, of what we're taught culturally. And so we might even think, well, is anger really even that big of a deal? Is it actually that serious? Is wrath that serious? Jesus seems to think so in Matthew chapter 5. He says this in verses 21 and 22. You have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So catch that, right? Jesus is connecting anger and murder, and is, is sort of implying that in the same way that uh, murder is a sin that's explicitly happening outside of our bodies, essentially, anger is the same, but happening internally. That there is a sense with which we can break our relationships. We're not destroying them physically, but we're breaking off relationship with them in our hearts and ceasing to see them as God's image bearers, which transforms in a negative sense how we, uh, how we interact with them, how we treat them, and stops us from being able to love them. Jesus connects these two, anger and murder, to make the point ultimately, that God will punish both sins the same way, which means that, you know, if we, if we treat murder seriously, we should be treating our anger as seriously. Because they're going to be judged the same way. If we treat murder seriously, Jesus says, you better be treating anger seriously. You better be treating your rage seriously, your wrath and even more so within the church, Jesus actually particularizes it. So if you're angry with a brother or sister, you'll be subject to judgment. If within God's church, you're angry with someone, that is even more serious because now you're beginning to degrade God's household, God's, God's, God's church, God's covenant community that is supposed to be the community where people get a taste of the incoming kingdom of the, and of the life of heaven that, that we'll experience one day. And that, that taste is, is, is primarily through reconciled relationships. Anger destroys the capacity for us to live in reconciled relationship. Anger and wrath destroys our capacity to live in God's kingdom in the here and now. And so he says, you know, if you if you say raka, which is an Aramaic term and it's a, a, a term of contempt, it's it's basically saying, I I'm I, tr I I look at you with scorn and disgust and I hate you. That's what that word is 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 meaning. Then you are in danger of the fires of hell. Or if you say, you fool looking down on people, to cast them to the side, you're in dangers, you're, you're, in, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Cursing other people, treating them with contempt is a sin. And so the question is, what do we do about it? 
And how do we navigate anger? Because one of the things that we need to recognize is that we get angry. It's a natural, emotive state for human beings. We're made in the image of God. And as such, we are going to experience some of these same emotions that, that, that God has. Anger being one of them. Wrath being one of them. And that's okay. When anger comes up, we can acknowledge it and say, okay, I am angry. And I don't think that anger in and of itself is actually necessarily a sin, but it's absolutely a temptation to sin. Which means that we can't let it fester. Like Paul says in Ephesians, when you get angry, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. The devil will use our anger to destroy relationships if we give it a foothold in our life. So don't let the sun go down on it. Don't act on our anger. That's maybe the, one of the most important lessons in all of scripture about anger. Don't act on your anger. Acting on your anger, being quick to anger, being quick to take offense is a sin that destroys relationships in ways that I think oftentimes we, we barely comprehend at the time. You know, you don't actually have to respond to those dumb Facebook posts that you see sometimes. You don't actually have to respond to those. You might get angry and want to immediately react to them, but you don't actually have to. You don't have to share your opinions with other people. You don't have to tell them how offended you are. You don't have to do anything when you're angry. And scripture is clear, you shouldn't. Instead, we should recognize that when we're angry, if we try to act on the anger, it is not going to produce the righteousness that God desires of us. Anger can't produce right relationships. Anger and wrath can't produce reconciled relationships, which is what justice in God's kingdom is all about. It's about bringing all things to right and putting relationships to right so that we can, um, and, and, and loving God and loving others. Like that's, that's the kingdom. Sacrificially serving others and living in obedience to the Father. That's, that's what it's all about. We don't have to act on our anger, but we also shouldn't ignore it. And this is really important. Because we will be angry, and we're told, don't let the sun go down on our anger. So there's this period where we actually have to work through it, where we have to acknowledge our anger. We, we acknowledge that we're angry, but we don't allow it to take over us. And there's something important about this, because anger um, is, is often tied, I think, to our sense of being wrong, to a sense of justice. <coughs> and we shouldn't ignore that. In fact, anger and mourning are very closely connected emotions. And essentially that, you know, a wrath and anger, wrath is essentially, and anger, I think, is, is mourning mixed with judgment. That's fundamentally what, it's, what it is. And so just thinking back on the news cycle, you know, I get angry when I think about what's happening at Laurentian University but it's because I love the university 
and I mourn what's happening there. If I can get rid of my anger, it will allow me to mourn well. To be able to see what's happening and then actually think clearly about maybe how to respond. Even more so with the police shootings in Minnesota, in Chicago. The immediate reaction, I think, as, a, as an entire culture was, was rage. And rightfully so, there's injustice happening. But scripture says, get rid of that anger. And, and what, what we're left with is a mourning. So we can mourn the loss of life, we can mourn the injustice, and then we can move towards justice, which is right relationships. And our anger is never going to produce that. Our anger will never produce right relationship. Our anger will never produce true kingdom of God justice. It will only destroy relationships. It will only bring about a kingdom of the flesh, not the kingdom of God. And this for these lockdown restrictions, oh my. I don't think I've been so angry and depressed in a long time. But being able to name that what's actually going on is that I'm mourning. I'm mourning that we're in a lockdown for an indefinite period of time again. I'm mourning the, the loss of life and the loss of freedoms and the loss of, um, of relationship, really, that this pandemic has caused. And that seems to just go on and on and on. But being able to mourn that, rather than just be angry, mourning allows me to then look and say, okay, how can I live as a faithful Jesus follower given these conditions? Where anger doesn't allow me to do that. Anger just curses off everyone in the government and says they're absolutely wrong. Mourning allows me to see the complexity of the situation that we're in and, and frees me to be able to ask, how can I love others better in this season? Whereas I wouldn't have asked that if I had just held on to my anger. We're told, don't be angry. Don't hold on to it. When it happens, acknowledge it, but don't let the sun go down on it. Instead, allow God to draw us into the mourning that's actually happening underneath and to give up our judgment, to give up our, the place of judge that we want to grasp hold of. We, we shouldn't try to be judge because the temptation actually becomes when we try to be judge, we also end up trying to become jury and executioner. But justice requires God's righteousness. Justice requires God's righteousness. It requires relationships to be made right and not for relationships to be destroyed. And so when we're angry, we should take a step back and whether that's going for a walk, taking a nap, writing in a journal, whatever, we should dissociate from the situation that's making us angry and then bring it to God in prayer and do it before the end of the day. Like, do it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. I really mean that. Like, if you're angry, don't go to bed. I take this very literally. If you're in an argument, 
with your spouse, don't go to bed angry at each other. Don't do it. It's just going to fester. Deal with it beforehand. Um, as much as you're able to, really. And then bring all of your concerns to God in prayer. Give him your anger. Give him your, your, your judgment. And then be free to mourn. And as you do this, as you're freed to actually name what's happening in your heart, it clears your mind, I think, and allows you to imagine ways forward that has the love of God and the love of others at the center of your reaction rather than your personal sense of offense. And then rather than destroy relationships in anger, you'll be better able to strengthen relationships in love. And that doesn't mean that the relationships will be easy. Oftentimes, especially within the church, it will be more like iron sharpening iron. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that before, but it has a lot of sparks. But the good thing about that is that those are sparks of refinement. Those are sparks that are showing that you are slowly becoming a person who is more made in the image of Christ rather than those sparks showing the waging of war against one another. We're told anger is sin, wrath is sin. So don't let the sun go down on it. Instead, deal with it. Bring it to God. And here's the amazing thing. God will free us from our anger and then will comfort us as we mourn. And that comfort will draw us towards justice, will draw us towards righteousness, and will draw us towards being more Christ-like people. Today, may the Lord touch all of our hearts and minds and turn whatever anger we have into mourning, freeing us from the bondage of offense and transforming us by his spirit into reconciled people who reconcile people by and through the power of the gospel. Amen.